Amen. If we could turn in our Bibles tonight to the book of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. I believe the Lord wants to speak to our hearts for a few moments here tonight. Amen. Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. While we're turning there, if we could go to the picture of the group of people with the yellow flowers in front of them. As my wife mentioned, less than 1% of the people in Japan are any kind of Christian. And so included in that less than 1% is all faiths that believe in Jesus. So, of course, that would be uh, Catholics, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, us. All of us together, put together, are still less than 1%. And so we have a lot of work ahead of us. Over the last eight years, I've worked in many different church, or several different churches. And, and these are the Japanese people from just one of those churches. As my wife mentioned, most of the people in Japan don't even know the name of Jesus until they're in their adult years. And so each one of these people, except for maybe one or two in this picture, are all not only first-generation Pentecostal, but they're first-generation Christian, first-generation knowing anything about Jesus. But although, amen, praise God. But although they didn't know anything about the Lord, he knew everything about them. He's called them out of darkness into His marvelous light. He's made them into brand new creations. There's nothing, nothing more beautiful than to see God working in people's lives. Amen. And so we're excited to get back to Japan and continue the work that we feel the Lord has called us to do. Amen. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. I wonder if we could all read this out loud together. Amen. Let's read. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. I wonder if we could put our Bibles down and just lift our hands to heaven and ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, that you have invited us in and welcomed us into your presence once again. God, we thank you, Lord, that you are here with us. But God, we ask tonight that you would do a work inside each one of us. Oh God, let us hear your voice speaking to us, oh God. Call us to a higher place in you, Jesus. And we'll give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen. I want to speak to us tonight for a few moments about why we go. Why we go. You know, the words that we just read a few moments ago are, are some of the last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples before he ascended from this earth to heaven. It was the culmination of the time that the disciples had been with Jesus, maybe between three and three and a half years in time. In that time, they had been with Jesus and seen how, how He had healed the multitudes. They had been there as Jesus had, had set free people from all kinds of things that they were bound by. They had seen as Jesus had cast demons out of people. and They had even been there and seen as He had fed the 5,000. They had heard Him as He had taught. The people and everything that they had been through with Jesus brought them to this moment when when Jesus gave them these parting words, when he said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name. I wonder if we could all say that tonight in the name, 
in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. You know, for a long time, people wondered what would the name of the Messiah be? What would that name be that would bring salvation into this world? But in the New Testament, in the book of Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, it tells us, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's so important that we understand tonight that there's only one name in this world that has the power to heal. There's only one name in this world that has the power to deliver. There's only one name in this world that has the power to set us free from sin. And it's the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Peter said it this way when people asked him, they said, Peter, what do we need to do to be saved? Peter said, you've got to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And he gave them this promise when he said, and you shall receive the gift of of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you and unto your children and unto all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Hallelujah. And so we've got to be baptized in the name. But Jesus continued on when he said, and and then you've got to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And I'm glad he didn't stop there. But he went on just a little bit further when he gave him this promise when he said, And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You know, I think the reason why Jesus gave them this promise that day was, was because he knew that there would be some days that, that when they would wake up in the morning, it wouldn't matter how much they were in the will of God, that it wouldn't matter how full of the Holy Ghost that they were, but that there would be some days that they would wake up and they would feel like they were all alone. There would be some days that it wouldn't matter how much in the will of God they were, but but that they would feel like nobody knows where I am and nobody really understands what I'm going through. And so Jesus wanted to settle it right from the beginning. He wanted them to understand it doesn't matter where you may go. It doesn't matter what you may be going through, but you will never be alone because I will always be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will not leave you comfortless but I am with you always even when you feel like you've gone to the very end of the world I will be there with you what a wonderful promise we have that we will never be alone but we will always have the Lord with us for us to lean on him it doesn't matter what we're going through we can always trust him that he will be the good shepherd and he will lead us through hallelujah And just like that, I believe the disciples knew what it was that they were called to. They knew what the thing was that that they were going to give the rest of their lives to trying to fulfill. But you know, I find it interesting that a lot of the time with us in our our human limitations, if you will, a lot of the time, us just knowing what we need to do somehow doesn't give us the the motivation or the strength to be able to step out in faith and to do it. 
I wonder how many of us here tonight, if we're honest, we have, we have woken up in the morning and, and with good intentions, we have made a to-do list. But somehow at the end of the day, when we look back over our to-do list, not all of the boxes were checked off. Sometimes knowing what we need to do. And we had every intention of doing those things, but, but just knowing what we need to do doesn't give us the motivation or the energy to be able to do it. And so I believe so much of the time, if we can just know, if we can understand why it's so important, why it's so, so necessary, that we can be able to step out and to be able to do what God has called us to do. And so tonight I want to talk to us about why we go. If we can go to the picture of, of the lady, I want to share just a few stories of some individuals in Japan with you tonight. The first story is the story of Mrs. Yoshihara. Mrs. Yoshihara was a very normal Japanese lady. And, and you know, in Japan, that's really what most people want to be. Is just normal. In Japanese culture, individualism is very is very negatively looked at. It's it's all about how you fit into into society or into whatever group you're a part of, whether it's your school or your job. It's it's not about your individual accomplishments. It's about how you fit into the group. And and so most people don't really want to stand out too much. They just want to fit in. Unfortunately, when Mrs. Yoshihara was in her 50s, she began to realize that there was something very abnormal that was, that was taking place in her body. And, and so she made an appointment to go see the doctors. And when she got there, they began to run tests and, and, and try to find what was causing her problem. They called her back in before long and, and they said, we have the results of the test, but unfortunately, we really don't have any good news to give you. They said, you see, the thing that's causing your problems is, is you have brain cancer. And they said, you have a tumor in your brain that is so large, it's, it's so, so uh, progressed that, that unfortunately we only have one, one tre- uh, option for treatment at our disposal. And, and if that doesn't work, there's nothing we can do to save your life. They said the only thing we can do is, is to immediately perform a brain surgery and, and to take out the tumor. But, they said, even if the, the, the surgery is a success, we cannot only take out the tumor, but because of the size of the tumor and because of where it is, we'll also have to take out a large part of your brain with the tumor. They warned her, they said, even if we save your life, you'll be left very weak. You'll be left very handicapped. You won't even, you won't even really have the strength uh, to take care of many of your most basic needs. But we think we can save your life. She thought it through and she thought, you know, I guess that that is what I want to do. I want to live even with whatever limitations that may uh, entail. And so she went ahead with the surgery. And, and, you know, to the doctor's credit, and in Japan we have very good health care, but, but to the doctor's credit, they absolutely saved her life. The surgery was a success. But when they sent her home, they sent her home without any real quality of life for her to have. They didn't uh, give her any, anything really to look forward to in life. They just sent her home to live out her days there alone. But it was while she was at home that, that one night she was laying in bed and, and as she was sleeping, suddenly she, she began to have a dream. 
In this dream, she saw a street not very far from where she lived. She was, she was very familiar with this street, but they had never been special to her before. But as she saw this street in her dream that night, a, a voice spoke to her and said, if you'll go to this street tomorrow morning, you'll find what you're looking for, and you'll find the answer to your needs. When she woke up in the morning and she remembered her dream, she, she thought what any of us would have thought. Man, that was a really weird dream. But then she started to, to wonder, I wonder, I wonder if it could be true. And then she thought, you know, I, I guess I have nothing to lose. I'll just go find out for myself. And so although it took great effort, she got herself dressed and ready. And, and she left her home and made her way to that street. As she walked down the street, she hadn't walked more than about 150 feet or so when, when something caught her attention. <clears throat> there was a building there. And, and although she had walked past this building many times, it had never uh, been interesting to her before. But, but on this day, it caught her attention. She looked over and, and there were people gathering at this building. And, and she had never seen anything like it before. There were people from all over the world there. There were people from Africa and people from, from different Asian countries. There were, of course, Japanese people there. There were people from America. And she thought, what in the world is going on here? I ain't never seen nothing like this in this town. She looked up at the sign on the building and it just so happened that it was a church and, and it was our church. And although it was a Saturday morning and, and typically we would not be having church on a Saturday morning, on that Saturday morning, on that weekend, our church was hosting a regional conference and, and so we were having church on a Saturday morning. She stood there watching everybody walk inside the church and she thought, I wonder what they're going to do inside there. I, I've never been in a church before. I don't know what they do in a church service. But she thought that because... She wasn't a Christian that she would not be allowed to go inside and to participate. It also just so happened that on that very uh, Saturday morning, one of our sisters, is, as she was getting ready for church, she said, the Lord began to speak to her heart. And she said, God spoke to her and said, when you get to church this morning, I don't want you to go inside and talk with your friends like you normally do. Instead, when you get to church, I want you to go outside and I want you to stand next to the street. And as people pass by, I want you to invite them in. She had never done anything like that before. And, and we all know what it feels like when the Lord starts to ask us to do something we ain't never done before. It's pretty scary. You know, there's always a couple of other voices that, that come along right behind the Lord's voice. And, and they try to tell us all kinds of things. They try to talk us out of doing what the Lord has, has asked us to do. They'll try to say things like, well, you know, you, ha you haven't been in church long enough for God to use someone like you. Or if we've been in church for a little while, they'll tell us things like, well, well, yeah, you've been in church, but, but you know how you still struggle with that one thing. God can't use someone who still has struggles. Or if all else fails, they'll always try to use this one on us. They'll tell us, well, think about how you're going to look. You're going to look foolish if you do that. It doesn't matter whether it's, it's the Lord trying to, 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 to get us to raise our hands in church for the first time or, or go to our neighbor and witness for the first time. Whatever it is, when the Lord talks to us for the first time about something, it's always a little bit scary. And that's why it takes faith for us to be able to step out in faith and to obey God. You know, the thing is, God is not looking for somebody who has been in church a certain amount of time. 
God's not looking for somebody who has overcome everything and now they're perfect and, and somehow they qualify to be used by God. But really what God is looking for in this day is just somebody who will hear His voice and say, God, if you'll help me, I'll do what you're calling me to do. I may not understand why you're asking me to do this. I may not understand what you're wanting to do through this. But God, if you'll help me, I'll do my best to do what you're asking me to do. I believe that if we would just step out in faith and obey God, we would see His miraculous work at power in our lives and working through us. I'm so glad that our sister responded in that way that Saturday morning. And, and so when she got to church, she walked out to the sidewalk next to the street. As people began to pass by that morning, she began to invite them in. Hey, would you like to come in and be in church with us today? But one by one, they all begin to reject her and say no. Some people said, well, I'm sorry, I'm busy. Maybe another time, but I can't come today. Others would say, I'm sorry, I don't believe what your church teaches. I won't be coming to your church. It would have been so easy for our sister to, to feel like maybe she had missed it or, or maybe somehow she had failed and, and for her to give up and go inside the church and sit down. But I'm so glad she chose to persevere and, and trust God just a little bit longer. It didn't take more than, than before just a few minutes later that Mrs. Yoshihara came walking up in front of the church. Our sister went over to her and she said, Hey, I saw you stand here watching everybody. Would you, would you like to come inside and be in church with us today? Mrs. Yoshihara said, Well, you know, I would like to, but I'm not allowed to, am I? I'm not, I'm not a Christian. Our sister reassured her. She said, No, everybody's welcome. And, and matter of fact, why don't we sit together? Mrs. Yoshihara was reassured by that. And she said, Well, that... That'd be really nice. And they came on in and sat down. You know, I don't really remember anything that happened in that service that day. I don't remember who preached. I don't remember what they preached. I don't remember the songs we sang. But I do remember turning around from where I was sitting and seeing where Mrs. Yoshihara was sitting. And seeing from the very beginning of the service to the very end, seeing tears streaming down her cheeks as for the first time in her life, she felt what it feels like to be in the presence of God. For the first time in her life, she heard the Word of God being preached. And although none of us knew anything about the dream that she had had, in that moment she began to understand there is a God who is real. And there's a God who can give me hope when no one has any hope to give me. There's a God who can meet my needs when there's no other way that my needs can be met. At the end of the service, she came forward and and she began to call on the name of the Lord and she gave her life to God that day. She was baptized in Jesus' name and, and before long she was filled with the wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost. In just a short time, her life was completely changed. We watched as God began to do miracle after miracle in her life and, and He began to heal her body beyond what the doctors had ever said, had said would ever be possible. We watched as God begin to fill her heart with the most incredible joy when before she met the Lord, she had had nothing to be joyful about. It became a wonderful testimony to the community. They knew what she had been through and they knew that what they were seeing before their eyes was nothing less than a miracle. You know, I'm thankful for the dream that she had. But the dream alone would have not gotten her to where she needed to be. You see, the dream alone, the dream, it got her to get out of bed. 
The dream got her to leave her house. The dream even brought her to within 20 feet of the front door of the church. But with her thinking that there was no place inside the church for her, the dream alone, she would have just turned around and walked on home and thought, I guess the dream wasn't a true dream. I guess there really is nothing more for me in this life. But because there was somebody who was sensitive to the voice of God, and when they heard God calling them and saying, I need somebody to go. You know, we think God, when He calls us, He's going to call us to go somewhere far away, maybe to another country or, or at least to another city. But, but so much of the time, I wonder if God is just wanting us to go 20 feet from where we already are to where He is bringing the hungry soul to so we can just make contact with Him and invite them on into His presence so He can complete the work that He started. You know, so much of the time, the reason why we're afraid to step out is because we think God's calling on us to do the work all by ourselves. And the thing is, we know our limitations. We know that, that none of us have the ability to save somebody. But if only we could understand that before God ever called us to go, He was already hard at work in places where we don't see. That maybe He's already done 95% of the work before He even called us to go. And now He's just asking us to go the last few steps. To bring them on into His presence. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful that somebody was sensitive to the voice of God. And was willing to go that day. That's the reason that there was a hungry soul added to the kingdom that day. Hallelujah. I want to share one more story with you this evening. Unfortunately, I don't have a picture of of this lady. But you know the thing is, the reason why God called us to go is because I believe there are people just like Mrs. Yoshihara who are out there, who they don't know where to turn to. They're living life as best as they can, and, and they're doing their best to just make it through life. They don't know who to turn to in a time of need. They don't know who they can trust in. The thing is, we know the one that if only they knew to call on His name, they could find peace in the midst of whatever storm they're going through. It doesn't matter what they may be bound by, but if only they knew to turn to the Deliverer, they could be set free from whatever it is. You know, but Paul said that if we have hope in this life only, that we are of all men most miserable. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? With all of the benefits that we have in being a child of God, His healing power, His delivering power, His power to provide miraculously in our lives, and I believe we've all seen that a time or two. With all of the benefits that we have in Him, Paul said if we have hope in this life only, we are of all men most miserable. But I want us to understand tonight that that the reason why God has called us to go is because although we do have great hope in this life, our hope is not just in this life, but we have hope that will last beyond the grave. Paul was right that if when we die in this life, if we're just like everybody else, we would be of all men most miserable. But that's not how it is. But when we take our last breath on this earth and we wake up on the other side, the good, start, the good part has only just begun. I don't have a picture of, this, of the lady in this next story, but we had a precious saint of God that, that as she grew more and more elderly, we knew that her time left on this earth could not be long. 
And so although we were very sad, we weren't exactly surprised when we got the phone call telling us that our dear sister had, had passed from this life. You know, in Japan, their funerals are, are not like our funerals. They're, the main religions in Japan are Buddhism and, and Shintoism, and, and so their belief about the afterlife is very different from us. They believe that when you, when you pass from this life, you are destined to spend eternity completely alone in isolation. You'll never see your friends again. You'll never see, see your loved ones or your family ever again. But you'll be completely alone for eternity. And so at their funerals, there's no, there's no uh, joyful looking forward to a blessed hope. There's no hope at all. And so people were very shocked when, when at, uh, and I guess I should mention this, the majority of our sister's family was, was not Christian. They were Buddhist, and so they chose that she would have a Buddhist funeral. I'm glad that the kind of funeral that we have doesn't determine where we go. And so people were shocked at her funeral that day when one of her brothers, who was not in the church, got up at her funeral when it was time for the family to speak, and and he said, you know, I really feel like we don't need to be sad today. People were not used to hearing that at a funeral, and so they kind of were puzzled, and and he said, I, I guess I should explain. He said, he said last night I had a dream. And, and not everybody in Japan has dreams, but in these two stories they had dreams. But he said, last night I had a dream. He said, in my dream I saw my sister. And when I saw her, though, she wasn't old anymore. She wasn't weak or frail anymore, but, but she was young and, and healthy and so vibrant, so wonderful looking. I've, I haven't seen her look that way in a long time. He said, and then I looked around at where she was. He said, it was the most beautiful place I've ever seen. He said, I, I do not have the words to describe just how beautiful that place was that I saw. He said, words don't exist to describe it. He said, but then I looked down at where she was standing and and he said, she was standing on a road. He said, but you know, the, again, it's hard to describe exactly what I saw, but, but if I were to try to explain it, he said, it looked like this road was made out of pure gold. He said, and, and as she stood on this road, he said, as I watched her there, uh, before long, a man came walking towards my sister. He was dressed all in white. He looked so kind. He looked so warm and friendly. And, and as he approached my sister... He called out to her and greeted her, called her by name. He said, but when he called my sister by name, he didn't, he didn't use her given name that, that most people knew her by, but instead he called her by the nickname that only our family used to refer to her by. It was obvious that this man knew my sister very well and that they had a very close relationship. He said, as I watched this man, as he greeted my sister, he came to her and took her by the hand. He said, we've been waiting for you. We've been preparing things for your arrival. And he said, hand in hand, they begin to walk down this golden road together. You see, the reason why Jesus has called us to go is because the, the hope that we have is not just in this life. But there is an eternal hope that when Jesus said, Behold, I, I go to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, I would have told you. In my house, there are many, many mansions that he was not just speaking of some metaphysical place. But when Jesus was talking to us about heaven, he was describing a place that is very real. That when we get there, we will see it with our eyes. We will be able to touch it with our hands. That we will live there forever. 
Hallelujah. After the funeral was over, some of our, our saints who were there at the funeral went to the man and they said, do you know what the Bible says heaven will be like? He said, I have no idea. I've never been to church before and, and I don't know what the Bible says about heaven. I don't know what Christians believe about heaven. They said, well, what you saw, a place of beauty beyond description, a roads made out of pure gold. They said, that's exactly what the Bible says heaven will be like. He said, I don't know what, what the Bible says, but I know what I saw. And I know that it's a real place. Heaven is a real place. I'm so thankful that the Lord right now is preparing a place for each one of us. But you know, the thing is, I believe that the Lord is not only preparing a place for us right now, but God is preparing a place for people who don't even know Him yet. But God is looking for somebody to go who He can send. Then when He says, I need somebody to go, that they'll say, Lord, I will step out in faith. I won't listen to those voices of fear. But God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to do a miraculous work. Hallelujah. I wonder if we can all stand tonight. Hallelujah. I wonder if we could just raise our hands and, and begin to talk to God for a few minute, few minutes here tonight. Hallelujah. His presence is in this place. God is wanting to use us to accomplish a holy purpose in this world. I wonder if we could just reach out to Him right now. Hallelujah. Lord, lead us, oh God. Lead us, oh God. Lord, let us hear your voice, God, when we, when we step out of our home in the morning and, and as we head to our jobs or, or as we go to school, Lord, that, that we would have your mission on our mind, God, that, that Lord, we would know that when we go, we're not just going to, to earn some money or to earn an education, but God, that there's a greater purpose at work and that is that we're going to be emissaries for you. We're going to give others the hope that you have given us. The hope of eternity in your presence. The hope of pleasures at your right hand forevermore. Help us, oh God, to not listen to those voices of fear and doubt. But God, to trust that your voice is true. Lord, that you're not calling us for, for an empty purpose. But God, there is an eternal purpose that you're calling us for. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.